0: I just love those moments when you are just listening there, you're very present, and people can just go on. And even during that time, you're not even asking any questions, they come up with solutions. They really have this paradigm shift moments, this Eureka moments, and they're like, oh my God, actually, I know the solution, right? And uh, what that creates is that they also actually feel more at ownership with their life because they of course realize I came up with solution, you know, and told me do this and then everything will be fine.
1: Hi, I am Sophie Vaux and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin! Raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor, Game Refinery. Having been the user myself, what I like about Game Refinery's tool is that it helps game developers take a more data-driven approach to adding features, metas, and live events to their mobile games at any stage of development, from new game development to growing the current portfolio of games. And what makes Game Refinery differ from a traditional market research tool is that its team of game analysts play and deconstruct the best-in-class mobile games on an ongoing basis across 50 genres hundreds of features, and thousands of live events. The data insights provided are actionable because they are based on data collected by real humans, and not bots. And you will save a lot of time browsing through a database of almost 100,000 screenshots implementation that you can collect and share with your teammates. So want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, FunPlus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to play to sign up for free access or to request an email, or just check out the link in the podcast episode notes. Today, I am super excited about this episode, as I record it with my colleague Marco. With Marco, we've been leading the studio at Vodou over the past three years together, and... Before we actually worked together at WuGA, it was eight years ago, and we were leading Diamond Dash. So not only we are working as great business partners, but also our close friends today. So Marco is sitting here today with me. Hi Marco, how are you? How do you feel today?
0: Hello, Sophie. Thanks for having me. I feel really excited about this and looking forward to see how this will go.
1: So for our listeners today, maybe let's start with your background. What have you done before? And I'll follow up with some questions that are more coaching related.
0: Sure. So I now have, I think, more than 20 years of professional experience. I started as a full stack web developer and quickly grew in that position. And I had to do kind of like team leading with other developers. And that is where I first started thinking like, oh my God, I actually have no idea what is it to be a manager. And I embarked on this journey to become a better manager. And yeah, that that brought me very quickly to switch my career and do some product and with that project management, mostly in the mobile gaming industry, where I was really inspired seeing how agile works really well in that world. And I could see actually practical appliance of those methodologies.
1: All right, thanks. I uh, know of his background and really appreciated your multi-talented uh, skills that were very helpful for the studio development and how to lead and grow a team. Today, especially, we are here to focus on coaching practice and how to run better one-on-one conversations. So let's start first with the context of how you got into coaching and how you developed From product management, and you said even you uh, started before, even as a developer, which I know from my experience, it's not like a traditional mindset, but I'm really curious maybe to understand more how you started your coaching journey and how did this happen and where you are today?
0: When I first came into contact with Agile and Agile methodologies, like mostly Scrum, I had a very good Agile coach in my team. I was immediately drawn to it and I was thinking like, wow, this is actually what I was looking for throughout my earlier career. So that got me thinking like, okay, I really need to understand people more, how to work with them, uh, what are their drivers, beliefs, motivation. And uh, in general, how to actually keep the team uh, effective and working, right? So I was really interested into that, read lots of books. And then I had the opportunity to also do it as an agile coach. I joined a startup and their uh, idea was to actually switch from old school waterfall to agile methodologies. And that is where I really got hands-on approach of how to do agile and how to do it at scale. And then after that, uh, I was, uh, of course, always uh, on the path of evolving my my knowledge. So I felt like, okay, I still need to go deeper here. This is still good. Like I understand much more about people, but I still miss something. And then in my personal life, I was at some form of crossroads and uh, a couple of my friends actually were into coaching space and they said like, maybe you should try this transformational coaching course um, and I got really uh, curious about it, like, hmm, okay, transformation. what is it all about? I've done that course like almost two years ago. And uh, yeah, I've started and practicing uh, really with people, with real clients in one-on-one sessions. And I'm now focusing mostly on leadership and career coaching.
1: I think that's an amazing story how it's not even switching here. But starting, like again, from product management, wanting to grow your skills into uh, people, leadership, and really going all-in in the coaching journey and going through a workshop is not even something I have done on my end. So I was very inspired and impressed by the dedication and commitment you had to this. And it shows also that it's possible, while you have a full-time job, if you're really, really into this, to expand and broaden your skills as a coach. So for our audience here... We are focusing today on a topic that is kind of the most simple and straightforward Yet, you have to do when you are a lead and you lead a team of people, whether you are a director, head position, or a, you know just a craft leader. It is about how to run your one-on-one conversations. We have a conversation that you run, uh, for example, with people from your team, cross-team, even with your superiors. And we're here to deconstruct and uh, debunk a bit how those one-on-ones are conducted and maybe how they could be better in the future. So let's begin here first with understanding how uh, one-on-ones are happening these days. And I would like to understand Marco from your own observation and maybe your own experience, what have you seen in how one-on-one are run in the several companies you've been and what you think about this and why maybe it is maybe not so well conducted.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually wondering if they are even being run these days. From my experience, I mean, yes, I had quite a good share of one-on-ones, uh, mostly with my managers, but I never found them to be structured, to be systematic. It was more like ad hoc. Hey, let's just talk. It would just appear in my calendar. So I didn't really have the experience of something that is ongoing, something that is on the long term, rather than... Just a very situational, mostly one-on-ones.
1: Yeah, and I can also share my experience here. So I've been also in several companies like of different sizes and also several layers of hierarchy. So for the context, my one-on-one, I have some uh, with, of course, supervisor, and also one-on-ones with my own team. So I can comment maybe on the one experiencing receiving the invite for one-on-one. I found from my experience with former supervisor, that those ones on ones were used mostly for status and report. So usually it would be 30 minutes, maybe once a month. Uh, so for example, I had one-on-one with COOs, very busy. So they would find a slot in the schedule to have this conversation. So it's more catch-up, but it, it's not very deep. Or a one-on-one with, for example, head of studio. And then we would go through the operations, the problems, So what I missed in those conversations at some time was really, how am I doing? So what are my blockers? Uh, What are taking a step back? Where can I need some help? What uh, is going on with my team or with my project? And really, how am I doing as a person? So it was very mm, down to business and very uh, transactional as a meeting. So I missed a lot personally from my experience With supervisor, the more connection part where, okay, I have someone here caring about me and who wants to support me to grow or to overcome the challenges I have. And unfortunately, because either of a lack of time, most of the time, or even lack of uh, structure or intention, those conversation never happened.
0: You mentioned for you, the experience was like giving report. And I really see that a lot. Like it really feels like you're there to do reporting to your superior, to your supervisor, and also then to to receive some performance review or something like that. Okay, that is business side, but what about my soft skills? What about my career growth? As you, as you also said, like what about my challenges?
1: And so starting from there... Because here, of course, it has been an experience, so not as manager, but as receivers. What is missing then in those one-on-ones when you are in the situation as a manager or a lead that you are missing when you just focus on report status and exchange of information?
0: Yeah, I I believe that you are missing uh, just human connection, right? If you are just going with the business side and you're just discussing hard skills, performance levels and what has been done, Uh, it really gives little room to get to know deeply who are your team members, who are these people, what is their motivation, why are they even here, and why is that important. Is Of course, then you can align their work more with their own values, beliefs, and experience, which then ultimately grows your whole team together and makes the whole team stronger.
1: I think here the key point is creating the human connection and why is it important i think also it's good to take a step back to understand the nature of the work and expectation of uh, workers in the workplace maybe in the past it's been a lot about executing you know you are hired to do a task deliver some work you just do it and then you give a report and you are paid for the job now, 2022, expectations of work have really increased where people want a place where they have self-realization, connection with others, fulfillment, connection with a mission, sense of purpose. And those things are a factor of motivation in the work that people do. So one thing that is always in my mind when I try to understand what's happening with the people in the team is... How do they feel about the work? Are they satisfied? Do they feel they grow? Is what we are doing aligned with their motivation? So very important. And so if you don't understand who the person is, what they are about, what they value, what they care of, you don't really understand if the motivations are aligned with the work. And the second thing is trust. And people want to work, whether you're a supervisor or a colleague, in a trusted environment with people you trust, you feel safe. And how do you create safety and connection with others is by understanding who they are, right? So, getting to know someone and using the one on one to really go a bit deeper in the conversation and not go, okay, to the down to business thing is really important to create the sense of belonging and the really, again, the human connection, like why at the end of the day, this person is choosing to be here working for me or working for this venture that we committed ourselves into. That being said though, why is it not happening? Everyone has their way and I'm not saying here that there's just one great way, but what I know in reality and I've heard often also from other leads is like I have maybe 20 direct reports and I can only give this time to talk to people and so on. So leads don't have the time to really create those connections meaningfully Or they don't schedule them properly and back-to-back meetings. So usually your head is already in the next meeting. There's a lack of presence. There's a lack of listening. And it's not helping to have those Zoom meetings where it is even reducing the feeling of connection. So if you're not looking at the person and seem like you're doing something else and not listening, people can sense it
0: it's all about creating that report right people also have to feel that you are listening to them as you mentioned and that they can trust you right so there is also a little bit of contracting to be done and by contracting i mean really setting what is the idea here what are the rules right and especially that is important for managers as you said direct reports because it always is going to have this power struggle right i'm talking to my boss even if they don't see you as a boss that is going to linger in that conversation. And I think it's very important to just clarify that in the beginning. So first of all, here we are equal. We are not here to mark anyone, to give points, uh, or to criticize. It's really about seeing who they are, what are their needs, uh, where they want to grow, and uh, yeah, ultimately helping them, and not for reporting, not for manager to get information. And then, yeah, you mentioned about listening. It is really hard. I would say there are like three levels of listening. The first level is uh, listening for myself. So when someone is talking, I'm actually listening to reply, to reflect on my own experience with what they're talking about so that I can reply from my side. And that is where basically 99% of conversation happen. You will notice this in groups when someone starts talking about the story, someone will say, yeah, I had exactly the same. And then they take over the story, right? So that is not listening. That is just like you are listening for yourself. So yeah, so then there is a second level of listening, which is listening for information, for really understanding the world of your teammate listening to really like, okay, what is their view? What are their beliefs, even self-limiting beliefs? Where do they stand? What is their paradigm of the world? And then the third level is going even deeper. And that is where you really connect with people. That is when you are listening for empathy. It's basically like you are listening to experience what they have experienced, what they are telling you. So you are completely drawn into the story. And I like to look at it as watching a movie or listening to a good podcast is uh, when you really extract yourself from your own being and you really let completely be immersed in the story and you're even like imagining in your head, maybe like, oh, how is it? Or you can even experience what they are telling you about. And of course, this is super hard, right? We talked about the first level being quite obvious for everyone. And it's really, really hard to tune in to someone else. And for me, for example, it helped that narrative in my own mind, like I'm going to actually watch an episode of someone's life.
1: I didn't know, or I have read probably somewhere before about those three levels of listening, and I have forgotten about it. So thank you for a reminder about it. I agree, it is so hard to listen because in one-on-ones, you are conscious and you are putting an effort to be trying to listen on level two or level three, as you described. And most of the time when we are in autopilot mode or just being ourselves without effort, we are in this level one mode where it is listening to engage. Uh, so very good uh, tool and structure of a way of thinking about it. I really like it. And as we talk about this, we are actually already getting into some tools because What we want you as listeners is to take away some tools that you can use right away in your practice. And so let's start here with how can we change the way we do one-on-one. And I would like to hear especially your experience, Marco, because you used to uh, do your way before coaching and then you had the whole workshop and transformational coaching for yourself. And how did that change in your approach to one-on-one with our team in the studio at Voodoo?
0: Yeah, what I really like about coaching is that it is actually goal-oriented, it's solution-oriented compared to, for example, like just counseling or therapy. So that is uh, why I probably even already have that mindset of, okay, let's just go into solutions mode and, and give uh, give tools. So yeah, how, how I approached it before? Well, uh, I was actually doing it the same way. So I thought that this is about giving feedback to my team, telling them where they did well, where they didn't do well, what they can improve, and uh, also hearing from them like, like everything fine, good, okay, let's move on, right? So I really didn't have that human connection there. And that's why it changed quite a lot with coaching, because I think it's all about the mindset, really. How do you go into the space that is one-on-one? And that is actually the space of the person across you, right? So it's not about you, it's about them. And when that mindset changes, then magic really happens because suddenly you are actually listening to, to what is going on. And one uh, important part is that with listening, you are also not obliged to actually give advice. It's not about you being there as a solution, but rather really giving the space to people. And just by that little change, it actually really changed a lot for how the one-on-ones are perceived from my people in the team. I suddenly started even getting this feedback like, oh, yeah, it feels much more transformational, let's say, <laughs> where people would really get out something. And that is just by giving them space to talk to express themselves to not judge them uh, on anything that they say so it's again not about me it's really about them and just trying to understand where they're coming from
1: let's take a short break to hear a few words from a sponsor who are making this episode possible raise up your game development with a new podcast sponsor game refinery game refinery's analysts and data scientists deconstruct and uncover the best practices behind the most successful mobile games today with Game Refinery, you can prioritize new features in your product roadmaps based on real-world data, save time with a database of almost 100,000 screenshot implementations and thousands of first-time user experience videos, and create your own LiveOps playbook inspired by the best practices of leading developers. Want to learn more about how game developers like Zynga, FunPlus, Rovio, Garena, and King use Game Refinery to build better games with leaner teams? Go to info.gamerefinery.com to sign up for free access or to request a demo. Or check out the link in the podcast episode notes. Now, let's get back to our conversation. Some points of reflection here as well from my own experience. I used to believe as the manager that our goal was to steer and correct the course through those meetings with people. So you are an actor and you come with an agenda. You have points to solve with the person. And so back to what you said, Marco, there's a point where you shift from this is my meeting to this is your meeting. And I think that was a change for me, becoming more what we say sometimes servant leader, but it's not just servant. Is This meeting is not for me. It is actually for you. It is time for you to reflect, for you to share your challenges, whatever you choose the time we we'll have those 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes. It is your time so you can prepare with your points what you want to talk about and I will be here to listen, support, and reflect. And uh, what I found through this experience, which is incredible, is people are really looking forward to those one-on-one when they know it's their time because they can just come be themselves. So it creates the space where they are listened and they are not interrupted, which is very rare in the normal personal life where somebody is here listening to you sometimes 30 minutes without interruption, where it helps them to really reflect. So as a lead, either you decide to have a follow-up questions to help them reflect further on the problems, or just leave it there as you say, of listening. I think as leads, we tend to overestimate ourselves of how smart and knowledgeable we are. So we know everything and we know even the problems that people have and their solutions. But something I learned over the years uh, leading our teams and studios is when people find the solutions themselves, own it. This is the most powerful change and long lasting change. An example here, a concrete example, when somebody comes like, oh, I have this problem, i going to do this, or sometimes complaining, we all have those conversation. We're here to listen, I understand your point of view, na-na-na-na-na. Okay, what do you want to do there? It's like, oh, and surprise, like, oh, they have to think. So it's a good challenge as well here to send back the problem that people bring to them to remind them that they have most of the time the power to at least trigger a change. And of course, if they are not in a position to do the change, the action is still like, I have this problem that I cannot solve by my position or influence. And I'm asking your help, Sophie or Marco, to help me solve it. So this is an action by itself. But I don't know if Marco, you have other concrete examples of how you can turn around sometimes some discussion to be giving the ownership for you know the team member.
0: There is this concept called the drama triangle, and I found it super useful, especially what you mentioned about managers and us as leaders, we always tend to be the solution finders and, and provide that solution. That is also what I found a bit of a difference between mentoring and coaching, where mentoring is actually you are giving advice, you come with your experience and you are even sometimes suggesting or, or even telling people what to do. While coaching is really giving that ownership back to people and in this transformational coaching theory, they believe, and I also have shared that, is that people are whole and they are resourceful. They have already quite a lot of experience themselves and what they need is uh, actually that reflection moment that they have the space to even verbalize what is going on in their minds, in their world. And then by being asked different types of questions, they can then understand the situation where they are. And even sometimes just by asking questions, you are actually getting to solutions from their side. So they find solutions through you asking questions. As a practical tip, I really like to just go with very open questions, which are more on, can you please explain me how was this for you? How is this experience? what were the feelings you you had on, what were the thoughts, right? So really trying to get them talk uh, rather than asking closed questions, which are like, did you like this? Or uh, was this enough? Or, you know, so it's something that they can just reply with yes and no, because that doesn't give them again that space, right? And it's more uh, usually information for yourself. Uh, so try just asking open questions which are like more on, on, on their experience and their thoughts or even sometimes physical. You can ask, where did you feel this or how did you felt in your body while having, I don't know, a conflict with your colleague or something like that. And that really gives then people, as you said, that space. And it's, it's sometimes wonderful really to, after 30 minutes of them talking, as you said, without interruption. I, I just love those moments when you are just listening there. You're very present and people can just go on. And even during that time, you're not even asking any questions, they come up with solutions. They really have this paradigm shift moments, this Eureka moments, and they like, oh my God, actually I know the solution, right? And uh, what that creates is that they also actually feel more at ownership with their life because they of course realize I came up with solution, no one told me do this and then everything will be fine.
1: I think here the effect as well, having this sense of ownership is a very strong motivation, right? When you think again about what motivates people at work these days, like I have impact in what I'm doing. I have autonomy and this is empowering people to have a space to own things and they have a power to actually change most of the things once again. Of course, it's important to brief the team, like those one-on-ones, what are the goals? And it's for them to take ownership as well. How do they want to use the time? But I have experienced sometimes that this time is not always spent wisely, where people will go in the meeting unprepared, not really knowing what they want to share and just talking about random things for 30 minutes. How do you prevent this from happening, Uh, Marco? If you see this happening, how do you redirect maybe the conversation for more constructive outcomes?
0: Yeah. So first thing is to always uh, acknowledge what you just heard, right? So that is that reflection back. And sometimes you can just say, this is what I heard you talking. Am I getting you right? And then you actually say what they said and really try using their own words. And that is sometimes already enough, even for people to go back to their original problem, because you repeat uh, what they started with, right? But obviously, uh, you... As a facilitator of this one-on-one, you can start off by actually asking the question about what is the expected outcome that they have from this session, right? So that is a very effective question because you really, again, give ownership to them. Like, okay, what is it that you want to talk here? If they come unprepared, of course, then you can just really easily go through the past period and even give them maybe some hints of what happened uh, since the last time. And here is where also some note-taking comes very effective. Like I usually just take notes and I usually just type again their own words. I'm not putting my own interpretations there, but I'm typing what they talked about. And that gives us then also... Uh, in these moments when, oh, I don't really know what to talk about today, you can always go back to the previous one and say like, okay, last time we talked about this. How do you feel now about it? Did anything change? And also sometimes it's also okay to just say, fine, if you don't have anything, we can close, but you also try to give some time. Silence is actually a super good tool where you can just be silent and wait for them. Even when they say, I don't know what to talk about You just stare back at them, maybe smiling and just waiting and they will eventually start talking because if you also observe them, you can see if they are thinking about things or they're not thinking really. And if you see that they're not thinking and there's really nothing there, it's of course also fine to just say, okay, then we can close this. Even though I then usually tend to always reflect on their career goals, so like long term goals where they're standing, again, not in the way of trying to get a report on it. But more like, how did you feel about what we talked before on your career progress? And do you have any new ideas? Again, very open questions where they can tell you their own experience here.
1: So an important point is what you reflect that you just mentioned is taking notes. I've used this as a tool as well myself, because people even forgot what they brought up the last time, but you didn't forget because you yourself as a lead took notes you're always in touch with the conversation and what's happening in the life of people. And they also feel that you are following actually and listening. So now let's switch a bit to the topic on one-on-one. So here we focused a lot on one-on-one in the purpose of growing people, like coaching, developing them, but also one-on-one sometimes are needed and necessary to give feedback as a manager and leads. And so, here, I would like to also touch on several tools that we have used, of course, differently with our styles in how to deliver feedback. And so I'll start a bit also with uh, some approach that I have tried when it comes to feedback. I think at first it's really important to set the expectation. I believe more in regular feedback. So it should never be a surprise to give feedback or receive feedback in a one-on-one, whether it's the person giving you feedback or you give feedback. So. The more you give feedback, the less it becomes a surprise. So just using the one-on-ones, and there are a few tools as well and communication tricks to use when it comes to feedback. And I let you Marco elaborate more on this. What we call non-violent communication. If you don't know about the book, I recommend non-violent communication. But something I found as a particular trick for me, and when we ask questions, sometimes to um, inquire what are the problems that people have. Asking the question starting with why tends to trigger sometimes defensiveness. And I was reading in a book about NLP, actually, Neuro Linguistic Programming, that we are so programmed by the habits of hearing why in personal life, why did you do this? Why have you not, I don't know, washed the dishes? Or why did you treat me this way? So it, it is always used in a negative context. And therefore, when you use this word, unfortunately, to just want to inquire with curiosity, it will land in a negative way. So a trick I have found as well is to transform the question into what or how, you know. So instead of why you didn't deliver on time, start with the fact I noticed that we didn't deliver on time. What uh, was the challenge or what blocked you to deliver this week? So already this turns the question focusing more on the problem than just the why and why did you do this? Marco, please share other Tips you have in communication and how to start, for example, when you have difficult conversations you have, maybe negative feedback, and what are the tools you have used.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned, it's more about really uh, listening first and understanding, right? as the second level of listening. And sometimes it's very interesting that I go into this space to provide negative feedback. And I first always, of course, ask them to reflect and tell me how was it for them. And this is the trick that I use instead of why something, I would then tend to extract it to a third person. And I say, what do you think why that happened, right? So it's kind of like you were extracting that it's not their responsibility, but just, you know, what is the situation here, right? Trying to not put personal blame there to just foresee where they stand and how did they even experience that situation. And often it happened that people were saying about the situation and I would see that they don't see what I see. (laughs) They are clueless about what I've seen. And that is actually a very good point for me then to reflect back on, okay, so what I need to change for them to then understand where is the root of the problem. And it's uh, very useful to then go back to values, strongly suggest to have that written down. Uh, What are the values in the team? For example, like being a team player, being helpful to others and so on and then really you you have something very solid to then say do you think that your behavior was in line with this value right so it's again not that you're criticizing them you're pointing out that are they in line are they aligned with our team culture that we said that we have in our team
1: there are things like for example never starting with you did this <laughs> you were like this so avoiding those type of sentences that start to actually set the person in a defensive position for good reasons. So again, delivering on time. There was a schedule, uh, an update was supposed to be delivered on Friday. It didn't happen. You're having a conversation with the producer or the technical leader. And so starting the conversation by saying, you didn't deliver, you were late or you were lazy or you were sloppy or whatever, it's not going to end well in the conversation. So in the principle of nonviolent communication, you start from your own experience. So it's very focusing on facts and observation of yourself. So for example, here in this same example, uh, me, Sophie, I observed that the update was not delivered on time on Friday And that created concerns on my end because then I look at the budget, I look at the schedule and I see that we are eating more on the budget than what was planned. So it it is creating concern for me and concerns on the outlook of the studio if we keep doing this. So I can start the conversation by sharing my perspective and how the experience is going on my end, then explain to the person, okay, it is important that either we deliver in time or when we cannot, then maybe we reduce the scope. So I would go already in a suggestion here of what is helpful for my own results that I need, because we are at the end of the day as it's accountable for an overall result and then give a space for the person to understand how their own contribution to an overall result, like being late on an update on Friday is impacting the overall result and the bigger picture. So, It creates the conversation around, okay, we are contributing to an issue that will maybe jeopardize the future of the studio and giving the opportunity for the person as well to see the big picture. And so it doesn't make it about them. So this is constructive feedback and you can check more on nonviolent communication uh, framework, but it's basically focusing more on your own experience and feelings and how events affect you as the leader instead of commenting on the action of the other person.
0: Yeah. I mean, this whole topic is so, so deep and, and huge uh, while you were talking about all of this. I was on level one listening, to be honest. So yeah. I, I was thinking of what you were saying. It's really tricky, right? Especially maybe when you are also involved, as you said, like me being a lead and not having a delivered uh, release is going to impact my line of work. And that is something that is often easy to forget and and go in that mode of blaming. And I think that is something that is really uh, fundamental in coaching is to be non-judgmental, to also really not have these preconditions of like, okay, they are lazy or, you know, everyone... Uh, have their own very good reasons. And from their perspective, I always believe that people have good intentions, that they do want to do something good and, you know, things can happen. So it's also being a bit compassionate uh, when when delivering negative feedback and trying to really uh, avoid as much emotions, even though um, I would say one one good approach is to also clearly expect your own feelings in a situation, especially when it comes to conflicting situations where you... You know, you have to be actually very, very open and very direct in expressing, this is how it felt for me. But again, you don't say, you made me angry. You say, I was really angry because of that, that, and that. Again, it's trying to not go directly, but kind of indirectly, even though it is at the end, if you really look at it, it is all indirectly. If you really take that people are whole and really resourceful and that they do want to do well.
1: Great tips. So much to say as well. Like, I think this is hard to cover in a, an episode of podcast, but here we are touching on some principles that are really important and you can get deeper into those as uh, you want to understand more how it works. Something I like to also challenge sometimes is the setup of one-on-one conversation it is an evolving field, how you lead, how you communicate with people. And maybe this episode we're doing today is completely irrelevant a few years from now, because there will be other ways, other expectation, you know, from people and other ways of working. But something I value a lot in one-on-one, especially during the COVID times over the past two years, where we were mostly doing those one-on-one in cones, is the face-to-face one-on-ones. And I have read as well, like when actually you go in a different place and you meet, uh, you know, in a different setting or even you walk. So uh, walking, talking meetings, it unlocks a different part of your brain. So you're more open and creative. And something I found very effective is when you need to have difficult conversation, sensitive conversation. And I said this based on our experience, Marco, you remember we had, a, <laughs> we had some hard moments where we were not aligned and we didn't even know we were not aligned. And we met face-to-face, sit in a bench in a park of Berlin and had an open heart conversations and even went for a walk. And it unlocks different parts of the brain. We are more open, more creative, uh, less in the defense, not in a static position. So I r- highly recommend having face-to-face, walking meetings, dynamic meetings when you need to have different type of conversation then go for a different setting. And this leads to different outcomes. So it was very, very effective. Do you have other tips when it comes to -to face-to-face meetings?
0: Yeah, I would first uh, say that it is really true that stepping away from your normal work environment can create that space to remove that defensiveness that some people might have anyway because you are their direct manager. And I even know some coaches doing their sessions in the park or walking around. There has been a research that suggests that actually walking activates certain parts of our brain that gives us the signal that we are safe. And the second part of face-to-face is body language, right? There is so much of communication going on that, yeah, of course we have cameras these days and we are looking at each other, but really when you sit down, when you see You know, are they having jittery leg or how are they sitting? What is their even facial expression? Uh, Where are they looking at? All these things gives you a very good cues of what is going on again in their world. One thing that I also tend to do is in that building report in the beginning. And even though, yes, we are always super busy and you don't have time, actually giving five minutes of small talk in the beginning Completely changes the atmosphere when you start with questions like, Hey, how was your weekend? Have you done anything interesting? Have you watched an interesting movie? Whatever there is, and have that chit chat to really set the mood that you're coming as a friendly person, first of all, and then slowly get into the topic. You know, kind of like that saying, You want to just jump into the ocean, you're going to go with your feet first, check the waters, and then uh, get used to it, and then you jump to really deep waters.
1: A very cool tip. I didn't know about this one, but I'll add it to my tools. Like we said, so much to say about one-on-one and I'm pretty sure that will not be the first and last episode. So we'll follow up on more also based on feedbacks and what you are more interested in. I would like to uh, conclude as well with practical tools for people in leading position here. If you want to start to improve your one-on-one communication and the things that you think as a coach do you have to go through the whole workshop, or other resources you would uh, recommend where to start?
0: Uh, well, of course, get a coach, <laughs> <laughs> um, and preferably get me uh, to coach you. So that would be amazing. I <laughs> know, just uh, joking, but that is actually one way. Of course, the internet is full of this material. Coaching is also very convoluted uh, space. There are no really clear qualifications or certifications. There are some. But anyone can be a coach, which is also a good thing because that means that you can also be a coach and not maybe as a profession, right? But you can have these skills. And then definitely by having a coach, I actually changed a lot. That was the game changer for me. When you start actually going through that process, you can't stop really. So yeah, you definitely don't need to do any crazy schools or get diplomas. It's really enough to just start looking into these things and get a coach so that you can actually reflect where do you stand, where you need to grow. Maybe your soft skills are amazing, but you're lacking, I don't know, emotional intelligence or something like that, right? So that is really the rule number one I can say is definitely going to improve.
1: Well, thanks a lot, and I can confirm that being coached is the best way of also coaching because you know how it feels when and how it feels amazing when you are properly coached. So I can highly recommend the same as well. So thanks a lot, Marco, for uh, participating in this first co-hosted episode. It was uh, great as what well to reflect on our own practice and learnings running the studio past three years and all one-on-ones and I hope also the team uh, members can confirm that they enjoyed as well the one-on-ones because of course this is the perspective on our end thanks a lot it was a lot of fun doing this with you
0: thank you a lot great experience and I really hope that uh, yeah we managed to bring some of our knowledge and experience to others to grow further and that we all bring good to the industry
1: well said Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on RisingPlay.io, and there you will also find my free masterclass on Conscious Leadership. So have a great week and until the next time,